You're listening to Just Hit Play with your hosts, Peter and Nick Cabral. If you're tired of your stagnant, streamed music feed, then strap yourselves in for an intergenerational sonic journey through Peter and Nick's favourite songs. Welcome to episode 55, Jesus, 55, can't believe it, of Just Hit Play. I'm your host, Peter. With me is Nick, my co-host. Nick, how you doing? doing really well i've had a nice relaxing weekend i had a really busy work week so i've just been relaxing recuperating uh watching the new season of stranger things and uh getting ready for tonight's uh, nba finals game my boston nice. celtics are playing in nice yeah so yeah i think we're recording very early on this week uh because i'm working tuesday to saturday so we had no other time to record uh except for monday morning which is your sunday night yes the show so, must go on yes so we're definitely early this week and gives darren who's this who's in our brisbane studio darren is our producer a lot of time to edit to this episode so darren how you doing Good like normal. Cool. Thanks, Darren. Um, you mentioned Stranger Things. This sort of plays into the song that I got you to listen to. <laughs> it does, yeah. yeah. So I started the new season uh, after we had recorded last episode. And yeah. but midway through the episode, I was like, oh, wait, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's the song I'm doing for the podcast. Yeah. Is, it, is that where you got the idea? No. Um, I love Kate Bush. And um, I didn't play enough... Um, music from from women in in the 80s episode so i definitely thought kate bush was going to be the song uh, the artist that i was going to play for you when when we started doing uh, uh 80s music for women or by women i should say it's sort of just a happenstance that this is the number one song in the world uh the week that we're recording <laughs> this episode um you know which is funny because top gun is also the number one movie uh out right now so this song came out in 1985, and Top Gun came out in 1986, uh, so it's like I'm 12 again. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do know what you mean. So you're telling me it's pure coincidence that we're talking about running up that hill for this episode as it's currently like hitting its new peaks on, on all the charts, and yeah. like, it's literally an insanely popular mm. song. It's a happy accident, cool. yeah. No, I didn't plan it this way. I, if I was smart, I would have. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but you know, I'm not that smart. I I can't I can't foretell these things now. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. So uh, as we were talking about uh, Kate Bush running up that hill, which is the number one song in the world at the moment, uh, Darren just hit play. Nick, so tell me your thoughts on Kate Bush running up that hill, A Deal with God. This is a great song. Really fantastic song. I can really see why it's had the explosion in popularity that it's had in the last week since being in Stranger Things. Mm. Uh, fantastic pop song, but I, th I think it transcends pop in a way. I hope that doesn't sound too pretentious, but it's just a way better made song than you would come to expect from yeah. a new wave 80s pop track. I think it's fantastic. Now, how much do you know about Kate Bush? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you would have heard of her. Uh, do you know any of our other music or anything like that? The name sounds familiar, yeah. but I can't say I know much about her at all. Okay. Um, so this was her biggest hit, uh, is this one. Uh, probably, and this one in Weathering Heights um, are two probably your biggest songs. My One of my favorite songs from Kate Bush is called Cloud Busting as well, which was the single after this one. So another very, very good song. Um, Kate Bush is quite amazing. She started in 1978. She would have been 15, 16 years old. Wow. A and just an amazing pianist. Her vocals are, her vocal range is amazing. And she's a bit of a weirdo, which is which is really fantastic. She likes making art, and this is probably her more accessible album she ever released. Was this one called uh, "The Hounds of Love"? So to to that point, it, it, she was almost going to be dropped by her record label. Her record label being EMI, they definitely didn't want her to be so arty, 
and um, were complaining that there was no singles that they couldn't on previous albums they were like we can't you know we can't release a single and she goes yes because I didn't record one so I think when she wrote this album it was with the mind that they might drop me so let's write a few pop songs and this is a hell of a good pop song that context helps a lot because as I said I've been enamored by how well made this song is from every aspect of this song so finely tuned the drum line is amazing great backbone for the song and in particular the things that she was doing to manipulate her vocals uh, how she was chopping up her vocals putting different effects on them and sort of piecing that all together was i can imagine 1985 pretty boundary pushing and and probably out there so yeah well it's definitely accessible it's got some pop sensibilities and i can like i said i can see why it's especially exploding in popularity now why it did well when it came out at its core there's a really strong element of art and creativity to this song and that really spoke to me and i really really enjoyed that she was discovered let me rephrase that Uh, she had put out a demo and uh, it came to the to the ears of David Gilmore, who was the, the lead guy in Pink Pink Floyd, uh, who listened to her demo, and he was he was at the stage of his life that he was trying to help bands make records. So he paid for a producer and studio time for her to re-record her demo to make it sound more professional, and then she got signed by EMI, uh, another band that David Gilmore had tried to uh, get. A record deal for was a band called I think they were called Unicorn. I've never heard of them, so apparently it, he wasn't as successful with Unicorn as he was with Kate Bush. Uh, so yeah, so that's where she got her start in 1978 and started putting together some outstanding art. Not so much music, but just art. Like she's a she's a very good dancer. I don't know if you saw the video for the song. It's pretty much like a dance routine with another ballet, uh, male ballet uh, dancer in the video. Very visuals are very important to Kate Bush, and I would I would suggest you go back if you are interested in, in any of our other songs and, and take a look at the videos because they're all quite interesting. What everything you've just uh, said about her reminds me a lot of Bjork and yep. FKA Twigs. Yep. Just in terms of uh, female artists who make uh, quote unquote pop music, but. Uh, take care to really make it creative and aren't chasing singles radio success and care about the entire package of their work uh, whether that be live performances they're really big into choreography visuals uh, design production all that stuff so that's really cool and I, I could definitely see just now as we're talking about this how an artist like Bjork may have been inspired by Kate Bush and, sure. and what she was making yeah uh and going to that, Kate Bush was definitely one of the most influential artists from the eighties. Uh, just her, just her art sensibilities would have influenced. Like, Tor- I don't know if you ever heard of an artist called Tori Amos, uh, Bjork, uh, a lot of the sort of the pop stuff that, like, you know, the the female pop driven stuff that was coming out in the eighties and the nineties, all heavily influenced by uh, by Kate Bush. That's really cool. Yeah, I I'm really curious. Since you said this is one of her more accessible songs, I'm really curious to see what her uh, maybe more esoteric work sounds like. So I definitely think I'm going to delve into her a little bit. I want to explore her yeah. discography a bit just to see what it's like and especially to draw sort of the lineage between her and and some other female pop acts that follow. So do you recommend a, would you recommend a certain album? Or, uh, I would, or yeah, I, I would go like Weathering Heights. Like her other big single is Weathering Heights. Uh, I think which was off one of her first albums. Uh, take a look at some of her early stuff and take a look at some of her later stuff. You'll find a lot of times with artists they're really experimental early on, and then they sort of hit like a pop period. But then as right. they've made all this money and and don't care about clout or making singles, their later albums um, get really, really. Um, introspective and dark uh, a great example would be david bowie's last album which is a masterpiece right he just he just didn't give a shit anymore he knew i think he knew he was gonna die and he just made this out, outlandish outstanding album so i think kate bush her later stuff has that is that sort of feel to it 
I love that career trajectory. Yeah. And it's really predictable too. It happens so often. Yeah. Exactly what you just described. But uh, yeah, I love it. it. And it makes so much sense too, right? You, you're young, you're hungry. You've got all these ideas that you're working on forever. Uh, but then you're sick of not making money. And it, yeah. same thing happened to here, right? They wanted to go in a more pop direction. They wanted to be headliners at festivals. Sure. Instead of playing at two o'clock in the afternoon. So yeah, it happens a lot, but uh, when when an artist has a really, or a band has a really strong creative foundation, even their popular stuff will it won't be generic. It'll it'll have heart and soul to it. So I like that. There's a rumor that you two, after they they released two albums, one was called Boy and the second was called October. Boy did all right. October was a bit of a letdown. And they were so afraid that they were going to be dropped by the record label. This is before they released War and Sunday Bloody Sunday, New Year's Day. Then it sort of became impossible. That they recorded a pop song that they had in the vault. <laughs> if there was ever a hint that <laughs> shit was about to go down and they needed a pop song to become that band. Uh, there's always been rumors that they've they've never released it. They've never released that song. So I'm... I'm if I ever get the chance to interview you too, that is one of the first questions I'm going to ask them is where is this song? Is this true? And when can we hear this song? Because I want to hear a pop U2 song. Yeah. So it's like a break glass in case of emergency type situation. Exactly they've, what it is. Yeah. They've just got it sitting on a hard drive somewhere, probably locked up in a, in a safe deposit box. Yeah. Waiting to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's pretty funny actually. Yeah. I, I, that's really uh, smart of them, honestly. Cause yeah, no, it is. When well, the record they, label comes a call, then you got to deliver. They made so much money from the Joshua Tree that just just this is this blows my mind. They made so much money off the Joshua Tree that the record label, which was Island Records at the time, asked you two for a loan because they were going out they were going out of business. Oh my god! <laughs> so the, their record label asked the band for a loan to help them survive <laughs> um, administration, basically. So yeah, just just try to wrap your head around that one. It's it's tough too, but wow, yeah, I can see Island Records saying, and also, uh, would you want to renegotiate your contract at all? Yeah, <laughs> give well, us a bigger percentage well, here. No, it's funny that um, because they get they loaned them money. This was a very uh, smart move by you two because they loaned them money. They then owned the rights to all their music. That was the deal. Oh, nice. nice. So when you two sign uh, a new record contract. They're not signing a record contract for future albums that are going to sell okay. What they're doing is they're selling the rights to all their older music, where, which is where all the money is. Right. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So whenever like the Rolling Stones or like U2 or these big bands sign new record deals for like millions and millions of dollars, people are always like, well, not many people buy Rolling Stone records or U2, new U2 records. It's not about the new music. Mm-hmm. It's about that catalog that they want to be able to uh, to license, and that's why it's so important as an artist or creative to own your masters too. Yes, yes master recordings. Yes, it is. Um, so let's get back to Kate Bush. So th- the original title of the song was a deal with God, but the record label said you can't have that as a title. Uh, <laughs> radio stations in America probably won't play it. Really? Yeah. Why? What? What part of that title is offensive? What's the rationale? Okay, so you're thinking of this. As a in in 2022, right? <laughs> yeah. Now you have to turn your head and think about 1985, where like 15, uh, 20 years from when they were burning Beatles albums because John Lennon said that they were bigger than the bigger than Jesus. The alt right religious movement in the states, especially in the 80s, was a really big deal. There was the Satanic Panic, where uh, parents were so afraid that. There was so much Satan in music and, you know, you've heard of the band Kiss. Yeah. Yeah. So there was rumors that Kiss stood for knights in Satan's service. So like there was, there was the satanic panic that was going on at the time. So um, there were record companies were so afraid that songs wouldn't be played on the radio that they had to be very careful on song titles. Even just a deal with God? A deal with God. That's it. And the deal with God is almost, this song's almost like a gender bending uh, lyric. It's yeah. it's how she wants to be treated and have the same opportunities as men. And even in the last sort of part of the song where she deepens her voice, uh, it's uh, she definitely goes down to a lower octave or re- lower registry. 
Uh, and it's almost like that deal has been completed where she, you know, is, is feeling more like, more like a man. Right. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No, uh, the eighties religion in the eighties was an interesting time. You sort of get a little bit of that now where you sort of have this religious right movement sort of happening around America now, but in the eighties, especially it was, we're talking about like, you know, the years of Ronald Reagan and George Bush. Right. Senior. Right. It, it was a really uh, repressive time to be in the States. Yeah, it's it's funny that we're, we're doing this whole 80s thing on the podcast. And uh, as I mentioned, I'm watching the new season of Stranger Things right now, which is set in the 80s. And right. A, there's a satanic panic in, this, in, the, in the new season, yes. Yeah, there's a whole plot line around that, uh, being skeptical of people who play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And thinking they're, they're freaks who sacrifice babies and for, for Satan and things of that nature. So, yeah, it definitely is played up in the show a little bit, I feel. Right. But it's still crazy to wrap your head around that. Uh, I mean, now, Dungeons & Dragons, like, you, you tell someone you play that, no one's going to bat an eye. No. But I guess uh, if you say it's the wrong person in the 80s, they're going to think you need an exorcism. Well, the Duffer brothers, uh, the, the creators of Stranger Things, I believe are around my age, if not a little bit younger than me. And... Yeah, this is what it was like to be because I would have been the same age of these characters uh, as the show was going. I, I I think I'm around the same age as these characters are experiencing in the '80s. Right. Yeah, it was it was fucked up. Yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. It was uh, it was it was a little nuts. Yeah. Did you ever play Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, later in life, not at that time. I was, you know, you may have gotten kicked out of the house if you were caught playing. Yeah, you you met my parents. Um, yeah. Do you know? I've never. I don't know if I ever told you the story. Uh, my dad, your grandfather, threw a punch at me once. Really? Because I had driven him to church, and I, I dropped because he was an older man, so I dropped him off at the front, and then I went to park the car, and I parked the car, and then I started walking into church, and I ran into an old friend of mine, Chris, who I, who I went to high school with, and I hadn't seen in a long time, and me and Chris just sort of hung out in the back. I was still like, you know, I used to ditch church a lot. You can talk to my friends. I used to ditch a lot, but because I drove my dad there, I didn't this day. And me and Chris sat at the back. And then when the church service was almost over, I said to Chris, I'm going to go get the car. So my dad doesn't have to walk very far. And I started walking to the car. And then I turned around and he's steaming after me. I was like, oh, I'm just going to get the car. Not thinking anything's happening. And he threw yeah. a swing. He threw a swing at me because he thought oh I, could, I didn't go to church. Uh, and then he kicked me out of the house. Damn. He said I wasn't allowed to come home anymore. And and my mom, your grandmother, was in Europe. She was uh, doing the widows' club uh, and traveling around Egypt, I think, at the time. Right. Yeah. Um, so I spent a couple of nights at my friend Henry's place, uh, and then he uh, he was a very typical man where he would blow up and then calm down, and right, then yeah. forgive you and, and apologize and that kind of stuff. But in the moment of his anger. Yeah, he threw a punch at me. Yeah, so I I had to duck. I had to duck his his swing. So yeah, goddamn. Yeah. yeah okay. So so things would not have gone well for you if you were no. sneaking around playing Dungeons and Dragons and you were caught uh, casting spells, fa- fantasy spells, and all these things in someone's basement. No, and we. I was much more the type of child that I was playing hockey or soccer, or baseball. Like I, sports was definitely more my thing. Uh, especially right. with my friends and and cousins and things of like that, we were just playing sports. That's that's all we were doing. Yeah, I was a very one dimensional child. It wasn't until I started becoming a teenager that I started to read books and experiment in music and things like that. Yeah, yeah, you got cooler then when you became yeah, a teenager. I, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I was I was definitely much more introspective as I got older. I, I you know the weight of the world was on my shoulders, and you know I was you know thought about. I was listening to college music, so all my friends were listening to like Poison and, and uh, Motley Crue and, and, and this really sort of hair metal sort of stuff. And I was listening to U2 and R.E.M. and, uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen. I was definitely listening to music that was that was above my age. Uh, right, which right. I don't think my friends liked as much. Yeah, so it goes. Everyone's got their own tastes at their yeah. own times. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you love this song. It, it, I do. Kate, Kate Bush is absolutely amazing. Um, so influential, uh, and to this day, still one of the, you know, as the songs sort of becoming popular again, people are sort of waking up to, to the, to the majesty that is, that is Kate Bush. Sometimes I think I'm not a hipster and I can laugh at hipsters, but then I feel the way I feel now where it's like, ah, oh man, if, if I play the song, people are going to think I found it in Stranger Things right, in the yeah. Stranger Things soundtrack. 
when really no my my uncle put me onto this song yeah I, i'm not like you guys who found it from the netflix show like i i listened to it like exactly three days before guys Come before the, yeah there you go yeah. so yeah you're fine <laughs> and again i you know when i got you to listen to the song i didn't even clue in about the stranger things connection it wasn't until sort of the the, the days have progressed i was like oh shit this song is doing really well <laughs> yeah yeah yep and now everyone's gonna think that Right. We're unoriginal and uncreative, and we just turned in Stranger Things. Yeah, but, that's right. Oh, well. Yeah. Good show. I really, I'm actually really enjoying this season. I think this is one of the, the better seasons of Stranger Things. Oh, I've watched like three episodes today straight. Yeah. I've just been in bed watching all day, and yeah. I'm ab- I'm enraptured by it. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. And, and credit to the, to, the, to, the, to the creators of Stranger Things, because I was very lukewarm going into this season. I, Me too. I was like, eh. There's nothing else on. I guess I'll watch Stranger Things, but it's uh, it's much better than I thought it was going to be. It's actually very good. No spoilers for if anyone listening to this like isn't caught up, and you know, I, it's just good etiquette to not spoil. But I love the way they're doing the horror elements of the show. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of Friday the Thirteenth to me. Uh, oh, it's it's like so a funny. lot of Freddy Krueger stuff, and I read yeah. that they got they got the guy who plays Freddy Krueger. I forget his name. Uh, um, yes, um, he's in he's in it. Yes, yeah, he's he's in the show, and he's like he was really involved in the writing and producing of the season in general. Yeah. He helped him out a lot with the horror elements, I guess, and it shows, and I love it. Yeah, I've seen all the episodes because we watched it, I think in two and a half days, and like. Friday 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street are very influential here. Jeepers Creepers, Stephen King, like they really took a lot of elements from other shows and other, and other movies and stories. And I've just sort of, uh, Clockwork Orange is a little bit involved yeah. here. Oh, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, is. there's a little bit of that in here. So uh, yeah, they really sampled, we'll say sampled and not ripped yeah. off. Yeah, I, I said Friday the Thirteenth, but I meant Nightmare on Elm Street. With no, Friday no, there's Cooper. a little, there's yeah. a little bit, of, there's a little bit of Friday Thirteenth in, in in this as well. Yeah, yeah, um, and even with like the Russian stuff, uh, like there was like this Russian panic as well in the eighties. So even the Russian stuff, it, like there was some, I think there's a movie called Red Dawn, which there's a little bit of Red Dawn influence in this show as well. And yeah, there's a lot of really funny influences to someone who grew up during this era. So it's like, yeah. oh yeah, I see what they're doing there. I see, I see what what movie they're they're ripping off here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's cool you've got a whole a whole different you're approaching it from a different context which Ooh. must be really cool right yeah um and uh there's i don't know if you've seen there's a there's an episode like that this song features heavily on i don't know if you've seen that episode yet i haven't gotten there yeah, i only so. saw it for like like it played for like 30 seconds in episode one but uh you'll, i haven't you, got to the episode you were talking about yeah you'll see why the song is such a hit now got it okay. it's featured heavily in, in an episode okay cool i'm looking forward to it yeah this is a great song great great song great. yeah so if you please if you've if if only kate bush song you know is running up that hill please check out her other songs uh cloud busting being a particular favorite of mine and watch the video for cloud the story of cloud busting i i didn't know which one to pick cloud busting or running up that hill both are incredible songs, and the story of cloud busting is really, really sad. So I would suggest, uh, please check out cloud busting and, fi- and 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 read what the song is about. It's it's quite it's quite a sad story. Do you like uh, running up that hill? Like Nick, I know her name, but not her songs. Ah, I knew you would say that. <laughs> let's get on some more sadness, and let's get on to my bloody Valentine. Yes, let's let's get on to my bloody Valentine. I, yeah, I. I've been eagerly, eagerly awaiting recording this podcast this week ever since we talked about Just Like Honey by the Jesus and Mary chain because we started pulling out a thread in last week's episode because the Jesus and Mary chain basically birthed the entire genre of shoegaze. It's not a big genre, but it's got a very special place in my heart. And it's impossible to talk about shoegaze without referencing My Bloody Valentine. So I decided to play you the song When You Sleep from their 1991 album, Loveless. And Darren, why don't you just hit play?
All right, so pretty intense stuff. Definitely hits you like a wall. But Ooh. tell me what you thought about when you sleep and my bloody Valentine and just their whole sound. Okay, so when um, the first time I heard this song was a few days ago, and I had them, I had the song playing on my computer speakers. I stopped. Oh no, no! And I was like, this doesn't sound good. So I stopped and put my headphones on. I was like, oh, okay, this is better. Um, yes, please. If if you listen to uh, when you sleep, please listen to it on headphones or in your car, somewhere contained. Yes. Yeah. It, th- this is definitely not an open outdoors kind of kind of song. You you need you need walls. Yep. You need to be immersed. You need yes. Um, so I liked it a lot better when I put my headphones on. And this is. A shoegazy kind of shoegazy kind of song, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really is. It absolutely is. Uh, a wall of sound. There's distortion. There's jangly guitars. I've so I, I wrote down some notes here. So, so wall of noise, check. Uh, lots of distortion, check. Really good beat, check. Jangly guitars, check. Lyrics that I have no idea what they're saying, check. Does it even matter what they're saying? No, I, I can almost I can almost dance to it, check. It's a shoegaze song. Yeah, it absolutely is. And it has, to me, the word I like to use, or the, the feeling I like to use when talking about shoegaze and this type of music, is that it has a hypnotic quality to it. Right. Or it almost puts you in a trance when you're listening to this type of music. Because I find it's really easy to find yourself getting lost in the hurricane of noise that they create. And that's why it's, like you say, important to listen on headphones or uh, with a really good speaker setup because it's just so deep and so layered. And listening off your iPhone speakers, your computer speakers, you're probably only hearing like five of the ten different guitars that are layered on top of each other and playing at any given time. It's just, um, it's a lot. If if this, if someone's listening to this and, and they listen to When You Sleep, and it's sort of their first ever exposure to this type of music, it can be really abrasive, for sure. Yeah. But my advice is to not think too hard about it, and just just vibe. Just That's all. The, that's what Shoegaze is all about, it's just vibing. Yeah. Um, so obviously, we had talked about this, we, we hinted at it last episode, that this is definitely not a song from your generation. Uh, no. So, so how did you come across the Shoegaze movement and, and my play about Right, so from Lost in Translation, the movie. Right. Because... Uh, there's a My Bloody Valentine song sometimes, also from Loveless, that's in that there movie. Is, yeah. And Kevin Shields, who's the front man for My Bloody Valentine, he did a few songs uh, specifically for the movie, just ambient instrumental pieces. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I'm not often one where when I'm watching a movie, I'll hear a song and like immediately pull out my phone to find out what it is. I don't do that very often, but. Mm. While listening to Lost in Translation uh, multiple times, I was like, oh my god, Like whatever music is playing right now is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and check it out, and, and every time it was either a Kevin Shields original or the My Bloody Valentine song. Right. So yeah, I was uh, fascinated, and my interest was thoroughly piqued. And I'd, always, I'd, I'd heard of My Bloody Valentine before, just because the accolades and where they are on album lists of all time, mm-hmm. and and things like that but hearing actually hearing their music in that movie gave me the push to check them out and i think about a week after i watched lost in translation i was uh, heading to toronto for some concert and i was taking the bus back at night after the show and i remember thinking that that was the perfect setting yeah, to listen to is. this album for the it first is. time so i i put my headphones on I had the window seat of the bus and I just played through the whole thing uh, while we were speeding down the 401 at like one in the morning. Yeah. And as you can imagine, that was an incredible experience and I've been a big fan since. Yeah. I think when it comes to shoegaze music, location is in re- location and time of day are, are two very, very important things. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily listen to shoegaze music while I was grocery shopping. Um, or early in the morning, but late at night on a bus, driving, walking through like a city, um, those are very, very good places to listen to uh, to this kind of music. Right, because while the vocals are 
almost an afterthought in a lot of songs of this nature, they still find a way to convey a lot of emotion and feeling. And that's what I find so impressive about it is how the instrumental is manipulated and carefully pieced together in a way to evoke emotion. There's euphoria, there's feelings of euphoria in this song uh, when that huge guitar line comes crashing back in. Um, You know, there are other parts of this song and others will make you feel really sad and the whole spectrum of everything in between. All with just how they distort the guitars or the way they Mm. assemble the different layers. I think it's really, really cool. Yeah, I've seen a couple uh, shoegazy sort of bands. And I think for me to go to a concert for a shoegaze band, it would have to be like the opener where they weren't playing a full set. I think I need a little bit of difference in my music. I I need some tonality difference. (laughs) So yeah, I think while I appreciate my Bloody Valentine, I would see them opening up for a band. I I don't know if I would see them do a full set. Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. I can definitely see that. And while we're on the topic of playing this music live, uh, if anyone's curious why the genre is called shoegaze, it's because when reporters were checking out these new up and coming acts, they would go to their live shows and they would write in the paper after uh, almost derisively calling it uh, shoegaze music because they found that every member of the band was just staring down at the floor the whole time, almost as if they were disinterested in what was going on. The real reason for that is because the entire time, each guitarist has like six different effect pedals that they have to switch back and forth between while they're playing live. So it takes a lot of concentration. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's sort of where the name for the genre came from. Yeah, there there has to be a level of dis- disinterest from from the band to the to the audience to for it to be a true shoegaze sort of sort of uh, band. There there has oh, to be absolutely. an a, has to be an appeared uh, uh, element of of disinterest that has that is very evident and pretension. Like, Ooh. let's not beat around the bush. This is pretentious music. Yeah, even even though it, it evokes emotion in like a raw way. Just the way that the the music is made and created, there's yeah. I, I think there's inherent pretentiousness in this music. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But no, it has no. to be said. No, and you're right. The Jesus and Mary Chain would have heavily influenced um, these bands uh, as the as the predecessor of the shoegaze sort of sort of scene um, with the wall of noise, the jangly guitars. Uh, yes, I can totally see where you got uh, this from uh, from uh, Jesus and Mary Jane. Yeah, yeah and, and not just me. I looked it up and so many bands uh, out, came right out and said that Jesus and Mary Jane inspired them heavily, uh, including My Bloody Valentine. And then, as I said, My Bloody Valentine were really the, the pioneers of this genre and type of sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins are one of the mm-hmm. bands that have given credit to My Bloody Valentine. Uh, Billy Corgan, who's their front man, he admitted that they completely ripped, this is his words, we completely ripped them off on our song Daydream from, from mm-hmm. their first album, Gish. Right. Pioneers is really the best word for it, for, for what they've done for this genre and the bands that came after, like Slow Dive and Rush. Uh, not Sorry, not Rush. Uh, Ride, Slow Dive Ride. and Ride. Yeah. yeah, so many bands have been influenced by them and They've got tons of critical acclaim. Uh, Pitchfork named Loveless the best album of the 1990s. So that's pretty cool. It was chosen as the best Irish album of all time by the Irish Times. Mm-hmm. I know you may be a little upset that Joshua <laughs> Tree didn't get that, but <laughs> so that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> you'll, you'll you'll let him have this one. Yeah, that's fine. It's a good it's a good song. Like yeah, you can't you can't go wrong with this this song. And you two have enough accolades. They got enough. That's true. They do have yeah. a lot of accolades. They're selling out stadium tours. They're fine. My Bloody Valentine never got to, never no. got to that point. No, and I think I told you last week that I saw Slow Dive at a Smashing Pumpkins concert. So uh, I've seen Smashing Pumpkins a half dozen times. I have a big uh, friend of mine, Henry, who's a big big time Pumpkins fan. Uh, so we saw we saw uh, Pumpkins a lot in small clubs too. We saw, I think I saw them two or three times in really really small clubs. And uh, yeah, uh, there's a there is an element of shoegaze definitely in, in the, especially the early Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. Yeah. Their early stuff for sure. Uh, they definitely found their own sound and, and evolved a bit more as they went on, but yeah. their earlier stuff, it's very apparent. Yeah. They're yeah. actually, they're actually coming to Toronto. I think they're playing at the ACC in, in the fall. Smashing really? Pumpkins. 
Wow. Yeah, yeah. they're touring with uh, Jane's Addiction. Okay, so, but but your Jane's Addiction question in yeah, your voice? I don't, I don't really know much of them. You're, don't worry. Don't listen to anything. The 90s are coming soon. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, you're going to listen to some Jane's. Don't worry about it. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So maybe after 90s month, I'll be wanting to go see Buy a Ticket, Smashing Pumpkins, and Jane's Addiction. Okay. Remember last week where I was talking about how the Chili Peppers are one of those bands that I, I'm not a big fan of as much anymore? Yeah. Jane's Addiction does fall into that category a little bit for me, um, but I can definitely appreciate Jane's Addiction uh, a lot more than I can appreciate the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, Got it. Okay. They're, they're definitely not as mainstream as the Red Hot Chili Peppers are, and uh, yeah, there's there's a particular song that I'm going to get you to listen to in, in, a, in a few weeks from Jane's Addiction. So yeah, so so hang on tight. Okay, sweet. I'll pause that, that line yeah. of inquiry. Yeah. You know, one of the, and I'm sorry to do this, but one of the things I forgot to mention about Kate Bush is one of the people that she influenced a lot was uh, Big Boy from Outcast. Actually, I I know that. For some reason, that was yeah. in the depths he of my head. Loves, yeah. He loves Kate Bush. That may be the only, that may be how I know, how I knew her name, how I yeah. recognized her name was because I, I was reading that Big Boy interview not too long ago when he said that. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't he it? He loves Kate Bush, yeah. So I, I totally forgot to, to mention that when we were talking about Kate Bush. Uh, yeah. So her influence uh, is is across the board. That kind of blows your mind a little bit, though, doesn't it? Yeah. That big big boy, huge Kate Bush fan. I wouldn't. No, it's like, not, it's not something that's apparent. That. No, it's not no, something. No, certainly not. No, so yeah. Um, uh, that's one of these great things about Jesus Mary Chain, my bloody Valentine, Kate Bush is that how they inspire others. And uh, yeah, it's definitely there. Definitely there. Yeah. So uh, overall you you liked when you sleep. Cool song. I, I did. Like I said, it, shoegaze music to me is something that I'd have to listen to at very specific times and not continuously, but yeah, I love the song. It's such a good song. Yeah. I, for me, I almost have to listen to it as a full package. It's rare that I'll listen to just one song by My Bloody Valentine. I prefer listening Ooh. to just the albums in full. Right. Yeah. So they did a, a 30-year re-release, like big reissue event for this Loveless album uh, last year. Yeah. Where they did like a huge vinyl repressing and everything. So I managed to, to track down a, a reissue of, of the record and it took like eight months for it to come in. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that's, I, I, I've already worn out that record so much because that just seems like the perfect way to listen to this yeah. music it is on a record player on my nice speaker setup and from front to back, it's really just made for that. Yeah. I, th- I think we've talked about this in other episodes where vinyl and digital sound are very different things. Even because digital sound is compressed sound, and even though you can't hear it, your brain knows there's something missing, and it doesn't appreciate digital sound as much as it as uh, as uh, as a vinyl sound. It's quite interesting how the brain interprets that something's missing. It doesn't know what it is, right? But it can feel that that that's something missing from the analog sound of of vinyl. And. I- with, I believe that that is true, but there's also something uh, holistic about the experience listening to a, a vinyl record that makes it more enjoyable for me for certain music. Yeah, and this album Loveless fits that, where it just feels correct to listen to it in that well, way. It just feels more appropriate. Well, there's so, yeah, there's album art. You have to pull the record out of the sleeve. You have to put it on the table. You have to drop the needle down. Like there's so much more commitments to listening to a vinyl record than there ever is uh you know pressing just hit play on a <laughs> on your iphone right so there's definitely a much more of a physical and emotional commitment to listening to a to a vinyl record yeah you have to put in more work and yeah. i'll i'll just end off our segment with a fun fact uh that i just found researching for this episode where as you can imagine making this music uh not easy <laughs> Uh, it's so so deep and and complex and layered and after this album came out their record label kicked them off they they dropped them completely from the label because they racked up such insane production costs (laughs) to make Mm -hmm. this thing the studio time and everything 
yeah, it was, and the album did well, and it was really critically acclaimed, but nowhere near enough. It didn't even, it paled in comparison, we'll say, yeah. to the costs they racked up. Label said, yeah, this is great and all, but you're off. You're, you're yeah. gone. Maybe the Guinness tab got too much. Probably that Probably. too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they kind of faded out after that. That was sort of it. They, um, they didn't really make any more music. Once their label kicked them off, things got tough yep. and kind of fractured apart. And yeah, that was sort of it for My Bloody Valentine. They did release an album a few years ago. They did a reunion album. Pretty good, sure. actually. Yeah. But yeah, great music, great album, but just too damn expensive for them to stay together, I guess. Yeah. So again, if you're listening to this episode and you liked that that song that we played, uh, When You Sleep, please uh, check out you know the shoegaze movement and see if there's other music that you'll like in that genre. Yeah, I had uh, I had to go to a record store, the one in Guelph. I, I was so I was having a really hard time finding other bands like this to to look into, mm. and so I just went to the record store by me in Guelph and talked to the guy who works there. That's what I used to do. <laughs> Yeah, he's a walking encyclopedia yeah. on every type of music ever. Yeah. Like literally everything. He's got a yeah. recommendation. So I said, hey, man, love My Bloody Valentine. I need more like this. Yeah. And yeah, he just gave me a huge list of names cool. that I had not found anywhere on the internet. Like mm. no suggestions like that on the internet. So yeah, it's it's tough to find other music that really yeah. scratches this itch, but yeah, it's you, worth the effort. You did an old school deep dive into, uh, you actually had to go to the record store to get to get advice. That's, exactly. That's, what was, that's exactly what I used to do when I was a kid. So it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was a little peek into my, it's my, my history and my existence. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine having to do that every time. Yeah. And like I said, I had to, if I needed to know when a release was coming out, I had to go and ask the guy. Like there was, there was no release dates ever. That's crazy. Couldn't yeah. be me. No, it was a little bit, yeah, it was a little bit uh, odd. Now you think back on it now, like compared to what we know now. Yes. Cool. Um, what song do you have for me for next week? Next week, we're sort of continue, continuing down this path a little bit. Yep. And you're going to listen to Wandering Eye by Sunbeam Sound Machine. Cool. Uh, Never heard of they're, it. They're an Australian uh, group, actually. Yep. Very... Tame Impala-esque, we'll say. Cool. A lot of psychedelic and shoegazy sounds. Cool. Looking forward to that. Uh, and we're sticking with the 80s, and, and we're listening to female artists from the 80s. And you're listening to Kim Wilde, Kids in America. Awesome. Very now, when you hear, I'm predict, this is what my prediction is when you hear the song. My prediction is like, I haven't heard the song before, but I have heard the song before. Interesting. Okay. Yes. So that's my prediction is of how you're going to react when you hear uh, Kids in America. Okay. Well, I'm going to listen to it right after we finish cool. this recording then. I'm, I'm intrigued. Okay, cool. Uh, and let's get into This Week in Music History. This Week in Music History. All right. In 1973, uh, the number one song is still Paul McCartney with My Love. Uh, so... I thought it would be fitting if we listened to the number eight song, which is George Harrison. Uh, and the song is called Give Me Love, Bracket, Give Me Peace on Earth, Bracket. So, uh, which is a lovely song. I'd never heard it before. So, Darren just hit play. Give me love, give me peace on earth, give me light. It's funny. It's George Harrison. So, it sounds like a George Harrison Beatles song. It's, it's a really, really lovely song. So, uh, yeah, I love George Harrison. Uh, I'm not going to say he's my favorite Beatle because I still think it's Paul McCartney for me. But it's climbing to be my favorite Beatle. Uh, hot take. I'm just, I'll say it, even if you don't want to. I think he's my favorite Beatle. Is he? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Angie, my, uh, my fiance, her, he's, George Harrison is her favorite Beatle as well. To the point where she can't... She can't listen to a lot of other Beatles songs, but if a George Harrison song comes on, she'll listen to it. Like, again, hot take, Within You, Without You, top five Beatles song for me. Yeah. I love it. To death. Yeah. When My Guitar Gently Weeps, um, There Comes the Sun, no, these good. And that's one of the reasons why the Beatles broke up. They, they say it's all about uh, Yoko Ono, but it's really all about George Harrison because he knew that he wasn't being utilized the way he should have been. And that George, uh, sorry, Paul and, and uh, John were monopolizing all the uh, the songs and making all the money as well. So uh, he wanted more in him, more of an input into the music. Well, he's got me in his corner. Yeah. All right. So guess what the number one song in the year 2000 still is, Nick? Uh, don't tell me. It's Maria Maria still? 
Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Do you now see, like, you know, I talked about this 10 weeks ago, how, uh, how much I hate the song. Yeah. Um, so I don't even have to listen to it all the time and I'm still sick of you saying it's the number one song this week. And every, every week we record it and I'm sick. I'm sick of you saying it's the same thing. Now remember, like I used to listen to the radio a lot. This was on the radio all the fucking time. It was, it was awful. It was like every hour of the song had to be, had to be played. It's, it's, it's really terrible. Uh, so we're going to listen to a classic instead. This song was at number 24 this week. Uh, Country Grammar, Hot Shit by Nelly. Oh, yes. There you go. There's some Nelly for you. One of my favorite Dang Nelly you. songs. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but I have a particular fond memory of, of that song, Nelly, and the house parties that we were going to at the time. And, um, and uh, that song just sort of became just part of the zeitgeist. It was just something we would just start singing for no reason. So, yeah, great song. Yeah, you're right. It is a classic. Yeah. Uh, so what are your plans for the rest of the week? Working, watching the NBA Finals, yep. uh, hopefully celebrating a Celtics championship. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much looking like it. But very excited to, to keep watching these basketball games. I'm I've really fallen in love with this team over this playoff run they're on. So it's really exciting stuff. Um, not this week, but I believe it's next week. I'm going for a bit of a road trip. So I'm uh one of my jobs is as a school photographer, and uh, I'm going to the Outback to photograph two uh, Aboriginal schools uh, next week. So it's it's about an eight hour drive. And we can't actually stay in the community, so we have to stay outside the community. And it's um, it's a dry town, so you can't bring alcohol in or anything like that. Not that I drink. I'm not a drinker anyway. But there's very specific rules in place for you to go into these towns. Um, so I'm, I've never uh, – I've driven to the Outback before a few years ago, but I, this will probably be my first time in an Aboriginal-only community. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that in a couple of weeks. That sounds really exciting. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's going to be so much fun. And um, – because I'll be in the outback, it'll be quite dark. So I'm going to try to do some astral photography. I, I did it a few years ago when I took pictures of the Milky Way. So I'm hoping the week that I'm there that there's not, it's like a new moon. Like it's not like a full moon or anything. Cause as soon as the full moon, you, it's too much light to, to photograph the stars. Right, right. So I'm hoping I haven't looked at the calendar yet. I'm hoping that it's a, it's a new moon week. So there'll be hardly any light in the sky. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. So that's in a couple of weeks. Oh, I also actually have a friend of mine, Christine, who's on her way to Australia now uh, with her two kids. So we're going to hang out in a couple of weeks and I'm going to take her to some places around the Gold Coast. We're going to go on some hikes. Very cool. Nice. I found a spot where I see a, I see wild koalas every time I go there. So I'm going to take her kids to see if we can find some wild koalas. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, my friend Christine coming and hanging out. That'll be really fun. Yeah, yeah. Shout out, Christine. Yeah. So, yeah, I got a lot planned in the next few weeks. Very nice. Well, it's good that you've, you're, you're working a lot. You're seeing friends. That's, yeah. that's that'd be nice. Looking forward to it. Uh, let's get to our independent artist. Uh, it's Funk Boy DC. We listened to him uh, a few episodes ago, and he's got a new single out called Purple Cush. I wonder what that's about. <laughs> I'm, I don't know. Maybe it's about, you know, he, he likes the color purple. It is a great color. It's yeah, a good it's color. A, and, it's a really great color. And The Color Purple, also a very good movie, I just thought. Um, I'd say that since that's the name of a movie, The Color Purple. Right. Um, they didn't I, they didn't have Purple Kush in your time, did they? Was, was that a thing? Nick, I, I without getting into too much detail, I had a fun time. <laughs> I Okay, whatever you say, yeah. I just don't think, I don't think they had the, the, the good stuff, uh, the purple no, we, stuff, but whatever. We, we did all right. We did all right. Okay. Yeah. okay. No, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, um, I'll say this, strains and specific strains were very hard to come by because it was illegal. Uh, <laughs> uh, you were, you were given what you got mm. okay, and you prayed that it wasn't cut with anything. Right. It's not like today. It's not like today yet. You can't order specific strains or buds back then. Yeah. That's, that's a shame, but yeah, shout out Funk Boy DC, uh, this, yeah. this song's great as well. Yeah, big things yeah. on the way, hopefully. 
it, it really reminded me of the Nelly song, actually, like the same sort of beat and, and like, you know, that was really sort of uh, really happy and, and joyful. And um, I hope you found your purple kush. Uh, and let's listen to uh, Funk Boy DC with Purple Kush. Darren, just stay playing. We'll talk to you next week. talk about where's that funk in the stone i got some people still behind them doors i got a few rooms i think i got it all because we black the impacts of the center boss every day while i'm looking at the mirror though my vision getting clearer i don't know but i've been hearing but i go on with my life i try paperway system got us all locked within the same shit every day been holding pain, been seeing games, been looking strange. If I choose you, would it be a shame? Stand up, bottoms up, are we all the same? If I knew truth, is it all a game? Been tough, never rough, people beat the chains. <laughs> yeah, I think I got it now. The minimal is critical, I hope to hear the sound. My heart is beating like a bull, it's been a minute. We got brothers serving life for the shit that we now live in. So where's that funk in the stone? I know they got some purple kush behind them doors Where's that funk in the stone? I know they got my people still behind them doors Yeah, so take a quick look within the topic Yeah, my mind is in the tropics as I'm talking off the chronic I got memories, bigger dreams always in my pocket Feeling desperation due to stress has been chaotic But my issue ain't the worst yeah, think we living in a curse Yeah, tell me why my people always gotta suffer due to age Though the law change, results remain the same Yeah, but if we choose truth, would it be a shame? Stand up, bottom's luck, are we all the same? If we knew truth, why be playing games? Been tough, never rough, people beat the chains <laughs> Yeah, I think I got it now The minimal is critical, I hope to hear the sound My heart is beating like a bull, it's been a minute We got brothers serving light for the shit we once resented So where's that funk in the stone? I know they got some purple push behind them doors Where's that funk in the stone? I know they got my people still behind them doors You've been listening to Just Hit Play. To contact your hosts, Peter and Nick, or to be featured on an episode as musical talent, email justhitplay7300 at gmail.com. Keep up to date with news and announcements by following on Instagram and Facebook, linked in the show notes. Subscribe on your favourite podcatcher to tune in next week for more Sonic Delights. And if you can't wait till then, check out the Just Hit playlist on Spotify linked in the show notes. A special thanks to Braden Munch for the theme song and thank you for listening.